0: You're listening to the Taking Back Slut Podcast, bringing you talks, tools, and tips on sexuality so you can be the sexiest, safest slut you can be. In this episode, I chat with my friend, Micah Lelainen, who is an artist and director in the Vancouver theater scene. And we talk about a mishmash of different things, but one of the interesting topics that we're going to cover is consent in the theater world, uh, which hasn't really been addressed until recently. Uh, And I think it's a really cool topic and definitely something worth exploring. So I hope you enjoyed this interview with Micah. Okay. Okay. So, I have my second guest ever here today, which I'm excited about, because guests make my life so much more easy, and I am actually really glad that I'm sitting down and talking to this person, because we have not really connected on, like, a deeper level in any way, so this is going to be a really nice little deep dive for us. But I have my friend Micah here, um, I think that we actually met... Because, oh, because you were sleeping with my roommate. I was. <laughs> yep. <Yeah. laughs> that is how we met. We are we both in, like, the, the theater community as well, but you, that's how we, like, officially met each other. <laughs> yeah, I think I met you in your house. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> Pre or post something. <laughs> yeah. So, do you want to introduce yourself a little bit? Tell, tell the world what you do, what you're interested in, what your kinks are. <laughs> Sure. Uh,
1: my name is Micah. I make theater. Most of the time, I work as a theater director and playwright. And um, let's see, about me and what my kinks are. You don't have to say <laughs> what your kinks are. That was more of a joke. But hey, whatever whatever you want to dive into. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, I live here in Vancouver as well, and um, I'm really interested in more sex-positive content being out there, so I was very excited about Jen's podcast, and I'm really happy to be here.
0: Yay! (laughs) Fun! Um, So are are you working on anything right now?
1: I just started working on a show. Um, It's called The Most Massive Woman Wins, and it's a show that's going to be presented at The Cult this fall about uh, how we objectify women's bodies and how... Um, our culture is very fat phobic and sort of what comes with those ideas of like body shaming and having to be this perfect image of what a woman is.
0: Yeah, totally. That's like something I think that we all struggle with regardless, but especially like people who would consider themselves in like the fat community. And that's like something that I think that like needs to be touched on more because i like personally i know that i deal with like fat phobia things myself especially things that were given to me by my family and my parents there's like thoughts that i have that run through my head that are like oh that's totally shaming and usually it's towards myself and not others because for some reason i can see the beauty in other people's bodies before my own but it's definitely something i work on on a daily basis
1: yeah and I think that's really prevalent too um, there are a lot of statistics that show that like w- the research that we've done into things like eating disorders and fat phobia have been mostly conducted on men up until like the last 10 yeah, 20 years course. and women's experiences are completely different and even like as far back as elementary school you see girls like usually 40 to 60 percent of girls have thought that like they're too fat Mm -hmm. or that their body is not good in some way and everybody's body is good just the way it is Mm -hmm. um so it's a very interesting piece of theater in that it's dissecting that and it's not specifically about fat bodies or thin bodies it's about all bodies
0: right yeah 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 because there's a lot of like women who are shamed in the opposite direction as well it doesn't really matter what you look like or how you identify you will probably be shamed for it at some point in your life or shame (laughs) yourself for it absolutely that's like the biggest issue is that we're all very self-shaming it's so hard especially if you were raised female to kind of find that like that self-love for your physical appearance I'd say because there's I don't know. I think, especially from, like, when we were kids, like, everything's been photoshopped since, like, mm-hmm.
1: 1970, so Well, 1950, really?
0: 1950.
1: Well, it was that, like, post-war mentality that was all about, like, the okay, re-adhering way. to, like, conventional yeah. gender roles and how women have to look this particular way and how the media started using women's bodies... And sexualizing women's bodies in mm-hmm. order to, like, sell things. Yeah. And whether that was, like, a blender or sex, either way, that was, like, women's bodies that started to be used in this new way.
0: Yeah. That's so interesting. hmm
1: It's fascinating.
0: I love the psychology of that. And it's, like... Because we were thought of as property for so long. Because, like, when there was... I mean, if you've, like, read Sex at Dawn, it touches on a little bit about... uh, Which is a great book. Everyone should read Mm -hmm. Sex at Dawn. (laughs) Um, But, uh, yeah, but when we started having those farming borders, Mm -hmm. that's when it really came into the idea of what's mine is mine and what's yours is yours. Because we needed to know where the land divided because things started becoming like food and things like that were actually a commodity and that's really where it started to be like less of a community and less of communal sharing less of like sharing partners and uh less of like that community vibe of like raising children together and more of like the segregation and at that point that's kind of when women became a hot commodity because they would bring your offspring into this world which is Amazing and
1: great, but <laughs> also they were considered your property. Yes. Yeah, and that I think sort of persisted. And then in World War II, suddenly all the men were away, and so the women took over all the jobs mm-hmm. in the workforce, and especially they can at, like, do it. Look at in them North go. America. Yeah, it was this <laughs> moment where all of these women were realizing, actually, I'm just as capable. Yeah. Actually, I can do it. Mm-hmm. You know, you had the Rosie the Riveter saying, "We can do it." Yeah. Well, they could. They didn't need men to do those jobs.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So I think like following World War II there was this really big push of okay, you did it, you can do it, but your real place is yes. in the kitchen. You back
0: to what your you're real place
1: is in the home. Yeah. And I don't think it was until that like first wave of feminism in the f- 60s mm-hmm. that that started to be pushed back on at all. Yeah. And of course like the effects, the ripples from that are still seen
0: now. Absolutely. But there's also this major... Well, obviously, the the political climate, as it is right now, uh, especially in the States, is a pushback for that, like, traditional home again. Um, People like... uh, Oh, shoot, what's his name? I I hate this guy. He's Canadian, used to teach at U of T, uh, and... Oh, shoot.
1: Oh, I know who you're talking about. I don't read any of his stuff. Jordan Peterson. Because... He's horrible. He's horrible. He's horrible. And like, yeah, I, but there's actually a lot of people who
0: absolutely love his stuff because he. it's not all, it's very, he's a very intelligent mm-hmm. person. Like one of the smartest men I've ever seen talk when I've watched some of his videos. Um, and that's very dangerous sometimes. Absolutely. But uh, yeah, he has a big push up, pushback for the family, the traditional family home. Mm-hmm. He had like this uh, whole thing where he talked about like, classes, like, a lot of liberal arts classes, he sent out a big email to all his his students saying not to take all of these certain classes, like women's studies and African-American studies and all of these things, and also had a big thing about... I think this was more of a publicity stunt, but uh, not using pronouns in the, the classroom.
1: It so. probably was. Um, yeah, <laughs> but I think something that comes along with that, or when you look at people like Jordan Peterson or a lot of the Republican candidates... Um, or senators that are in the U.S. right now,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, they are all white men. And the thing you think, or the thing that I think about when I think back to, like, those 1950s values is it really did support the, like, nuclear family when it pertained to white mm-hmm. men, yeah. but it doesn't support people who are not as privileged. hmm
0: Yeah, absolutely. Because that was, like, a whole other way to continue slavery in a very sneaky way and keep the kind of white man at the top of the food chain. Yeah. But, uh... Yeah, and I think that that's there's like a call for that because I think it's a big fear grasp. They are kind of losing their power at this point. It's it's scary, and like we lived through the time of loss of power. Like women didn't have a ton of power. That like African American community didn't have a ton of power, and now these white men are feeling the same feelings of maybe that a they're loss. going to topple from mm-hmm. from the top, and that's a scary time for them. Which I guess I would. I mean I don't you know understand but I understand where that fear is coming from because it's a fear of change and it's the fear of their comfort being lost in the life that they've been living
1: yes that's true but also you're Time is over.
0: Yeah, no, I to- share. <laughs> I'm not saying it's that. time to share. They need a pat on the head and, and a warm cookie <laughs> or anything. But yes, that's like that's where that's coming from. It's like there is a lot of pushback now from all different walks of life, like from the queer community and from like women and from African Americans and from everybody. And we're all kind of like, enough is enough at this point. I mean, we've been saying that for a long ass time, but there's mm-hmm. like angrier voices in the crowd now, which I think
1: is... And voices that are starting to be heard, Mm -hmm. whereas, like, in the 1950s... Change
0: is happening.
1: Yeah. Which is exciting and good.
0: Very good. (laughs) So, working in theater, do you find that, like, any of these elements are creating change in that world? Just because I know that theater is kind of steeped in a bit more of tradition. Like, I know... Personally, my experience in Vancouver theater is, like, the same shows run every year, and the same people are going to be in them, and it's this very, like, traditional, probably because there's a lot of, like, older community
1: that goes Mm -hmm. to theater,
0: and that's your main patronage.
1: Yeah, so the main patronage in theater, one of the other things I do is I work in a box office. Okay. So I, I talk to everyone who buys tickets. Yeah. And the majority of people who subscribe to theaters are older women. Okay. Older white women. Okay. Um, so, yeah, there is a lot of call for these more traditional, known shows. People like the fun musical because it's entertainment. It's not necessarily political. It doesn't make you think. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, theaters like The Cult, for instance, it is a large institution, but it's starting to bring in, you know, things that make you think and things that start to push those boundaries. Mm-hmm. So instead of just having the shows that we've known and loved forever and now are starting to question the validity of, right. we, yeah. we have, you know, like the Gateway Theater will do their Christmas musical, but they also uh, have started the Pacific Festival, which mm-hmm. is shows that are all in, I think, Cantonese and Mandarin. Um, that caters to, like, the growing Chinese population in Richmond. Mm -hmm. So it's starting to, like, also have diverse voices, which is really neat. And the plays that they're programming in their season, like, this year, The Gateway. I'm just plugging The Gateway right now. (laughs) But they have, like, a season of all-female directors. Amazing. Which is really cool. And I think, like, you can see that in a lot of the institutions here. Um, Not all of them, but hopefully they're all starting to make these changes that are, like, slow but sure. Yeah. I'd say that, like, in the work that I've worked on, and I do a lot more sort of independent theater. Yes. um, But you are starting to see changes in that, um, like, the casting, for instance, you won't necessarily see, like, these two leads have to be played by a man and a woman. Right. There'll be people who do cross-casting or gender-fluid casting. And, one of the things that I've recently done is taken some training in intimacy direction.
0: Oh, yeah, so that's very interesting. working field.
1: to make people feel comfortable when there are scenes of violence or scenes of a sexual nature, mm-hmm. working to make sure that there's consent in the workplace, Yeah, which seems like the first thing you would do, but in theater, often it gets overlooked mm-hmm. in a way because you are working really intimately with one another, Um, even if it's not even if you're not playing like romantic leads you're still working in this very intimate and emotional environment where you're very like bare because you are having to like use your own experiences and your own emotions to create this piece of theater this like magical thing that Mm -hmm. we do it's very ephemeral but it's also like really taking from our own experiences so how do we make that Safe. A safe environment. Because the safer we feel, the more risk we're going to take.
0: Absolutely. And I think that, that it's really interesting that that's something that wasn't addressed for so long. But it really wasn't. I'd say that, like, I mean, I in my limited experience of being in theater, I'd say that, like, a lot of the time, you just kind of jump into those scenes without any consideration for the other person or what they're... Yeah. And especially when they're bringing their own... Moments to the table, their own real moments that that could be something very triggering in that as well.
1: And I think it's a really challenging position we put actors in in those situations too because there's a power dynamic at play. Mm -hmm. If this is your director saying, yeah, just kiss. Yeah, absolutely. You know, that's something that you feel you're obliged to do. Even if you haven't had a conversation with that other actor, you don't know if they're comfortable, maybe you're not comfortable maybe you don't know what's going to happen to your hands and you really want to say, don't put your hands on my neck, you know, like it's okay for us to do this kiss your hands have to be on my torso or my butt, I don't want any hands near my face, you know we need to have the chance to communicate those things, totally and then I think it gets even like more sensitive when you're in a school environment
0: Mm -hmm. like
1: I don't know if you remember when you were in theater school but I have witnessed experiences where the teacher, your teacher, just says, okay, now let's do this rape scene yeah, or something. Absolutely. And they just want you to jump in. Or like mid-improvisation, your teacher will just yell out, you know, like, now grab their butt. Yeah. You know, and that's something that you feel like you have Pressure to, to do. do. Yeah. And that's coming from someone who is not only... In a position of power, but also in charge of your grades. And, and your someone success.
0: that you probably respect too. Mm-hmm. So you think that what they're telling you to do is probably the right thing that you should do. Yeah,
1: so I think there's a lot tied up in how we approach intimacy in theater that needs to change. And it was really, really cool to sort of delve into that.
0: Totally. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's like such an interesting thing. And I can't believe it's taken this long because I've just heard about these classes kind of cropping mm-hmm. up recently. Um, like, yeah, we've been doing this for so long. But you even hear about stories like that from, like in the in like the Hollywood realm. Like people oh, sure. just like it's just the way that it is. It's like you just jump in, you you take things by the reins, and you don't complain too much. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's, that seems to have been the tradition for eons for that, since theater has been created, and we're just finally talking about these boundaries.
1: Yeah, and even in situations that we had before where everyone was like consenting and felt comfortable. Mm -hmm. There are so many things like we call them. Have you ever heard of a showmance? Yes. Have you ever had a showmance? (laughs) Yes. Right. (laughs) So you're in this like very emotionally charged environment Mm -hmm. where you're having to do these romantic things with people and that like, that gets your adrenaline going, right? Yes. And it creates this like false
0: Attachment.
1: Attachment. But mm-hmm. then, you know, like sometimes real relationships grow out of showmances, mm-hmm. but you get put in this place where you're actually like incapable of determining what is real and what is
0: absolutely theater what is yeah. pretend and that's kind of like that old thing where they say like if you want someone to fall in love with you you do something like adrenaline pumping with them like you like go skydiving or like your first date is like going a really fast car ride or something to like create that attachment apparently that's a thing <laughs> going a really fast I, car i like i can't remember what it was i know like, i've read this too. about like a guy who took his first date on a rickshaw ride or something and then they got married or Terrifying. it was like a cute like 50s couple or something. <laughs> Like, anyway, but yeah, that's like the thing. If you create that yeah. adrenaline, then you you have that attachment because you overcame something together,
1: right? And I think people say that too. If you're having like monotony in your relationship, yeah, to do it things up, that are new and thrilling, mm-hmm, right? Totally. So people will often say like, oh. Go do something like go to a theme park together, or like try bondage, yeah. or do something that's gonna terrify you, but in a <laughs> sexy way.
0: <laughs> that's like it's interesting though that you mentioned the adrenaline because I never really thought of it as that being part of it in terms of like a showman's. Right. Because I was, I always thought it was like, oh well, you're having like an intimate moment with this person, and then right. it ends up leading to more intimate moments. But the adrenaline probably has a lot to do with it as mm-hmm. well because that's
1: your heart starts
0: racing. Yeah,
1: it's public. You're on stage. Yeah. You have this whole experience that is fabricated. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, you're really feeling those things in your body. Definitely. And so it, it tells your body, like, you have this, this is connection. me falling in love. This is me having this connection. This is me, <laughs> and my heart is racing. And, you know, I'm kissing this person every night. Yeah. And that, that like, history in your body starts to create something, which is why I think you see a lot of people who start dating during shows, mm-hmm. and then, like, a month later, they'll be like, what was it. I thinking?
0: <laughs> we need to do another show together. Keep this going. Oh, my God.
1: <laughs> who's doing cabaret?
0: <laughs> Just constantly jumping into the sexiest shows possible to keep the dream alive. <laughs> No, that's super interesting. Um mm-hmm. yeah, I'm really glad that you're doing that work in that space too. I think it's like a really important thing that needs to be addressed.
1: Yeah, I want to keep doing it. I think um there's still like a lot for me to learn. Mm-hmm. And as I'm far, very and it's, excited it's, to like, As far as I know, it's practice. quite new, like the idea yeah. of this training. Um well, IDI, Intimacy Directors International, you can look them up if you want. They've been around for I think like 5 years? 5. That's so, so it is short. pretty new. Yeah. yeah. As a concept, um, and it's super popular. Mm -hmm. You know, like, people are hiring intimacy directors. Yeah. Because they're realizing, I think, especially in the wake of the Me Too movement, and realizing that there are people who have had negative experiences working in this industry and in the Mm -hmm. film industry. Yeah. That, oh, this is something we need to address. Yeah, I think it's the majority of women.
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, I can think of like six or seven just sitting here right now Uh and it's just like there's a I found that there's a lot of power dynamic stuff with with like directors and their younger
1: sure their younger
0: cast members um but yeah that's and that's like now being brought to the surface I know there's a lot of people who are doing like call out stuff big like me too posts and stuff and that's I'm sure scary for the industry, mm-hmm. uh, for the people who are at the top. Hopefully, it is exciting and a good revelation type thing for those people. But I know that there's probably a lot of people who are feeling a, a little bit of fear that they're yeah. going to get called out.
1: I think um, they realize, or I'm going to make a generalization sure. here, but I think a lot of the like bigger companies in the media um, who have like responded publicly. Mm-hmm have been saying, like, this is really great. We need to work in a safe space. We need that environment. But I think behind closed doors, there is a lot of, like, trepidation in that, like, is this going to be the end of my career? And I think that's both sides. I think the, like, people who have the power are feeling this way. But I also Mm -hmm. think that there are a lot of people who... Don't want to say their experience. You oh, don't yeah. want to share that of course. because because of such this like this power dynamic at play.
0: Yeah, you might never work again if yeah. you call out the wrong person.
1: You'll never work with this company. You'll never work with these people.
0: Yeah, but I think that's also the feeling you're having at the time during the thing that happens. Like you don't know. Mm-hmm. Like is is making out with this person going to get me a role in a thing or it's like, is letting this happen going to like further my career or whatever it's mm-hmm. going to be. And that's... I mean, the fact that maybe they're feeling the same thing now on the other side of it, this may be a good thing for yeah. them.
1: <laughs> and I think like even in the rehearsal hall, having someone there who's specifically in charge of mm-hmm. the intimacy yeah. allows people to say actually, I'm not feeling comfortable with this right now. Yeah. And for that not to be punished.
0: Yes. Yeah. And how do you, like, how do you get through that? Because at the end of the day, like, yes, you are there, but there's also, like, the director. Right. Like, how do you make sure that people are comfortable enough to actually speak up and say something? Because I don't know, like, even if I had, like, an intimacy director there, would I still be comfortable saying I'm uncomfortable in front of someone who might hire me again later.
1: I mean, hopefully, because if there's something, and, like, I'm speaking as a director and also someone who's, like, started learning about intimacy direction, but, like, hopefully if there's something that must happen in the show in order to forward the plot, like, this person must take off their clothes. Sure. Um, You can work up to that. It's not like on day one you come in and you say, Great, strip.
0: Right, yeah. Of you course. say,
1: what would make you more comfortable? Would it be better if there was no one else in the wings, if the entire rest of the cast was backstage in that moment, so no one else can see you naked? From mm-hmm. backstage, it's only the audience, and then there's a robe waiting for you right there, but no one is in the wings. Or is it, you know, like, okay, you'll can be. you be naked, but you want pasties. Right. You know, would that make you feel more comfortable if you even felt like you had a little bit of coverage? Yeah. Or, like, what is the story that's being told as opposed to focusing on, like, oh, we need to simulate sex on stage or we need to simulate a rape scene. Mm-hmm. Can that be told in a way that makes those people doing that simulation feel less vulnerable right. and safer? Yeah. So, If that means, like, I don't want to be fully naked, great. Yeah. Okay, let's choreograph this so you don't have to see that she's still wearing underwear. Totally. You know? Or let's make that scene on stage end before the last piece of clothing comes off and you just hear that scream. Right, It still tells the story, but it ensures that everyone feels comfortable in that moment.
0: So you're bringing a lot of... Suggestions to the table. Yeah. So, okay. Yeah, and also like
1: working step by step. So instead of saying, okay, let's just try it. Yeah, yeah. You choreograph that before. You say, okay, so if you put your hand here and then you put your hand there and then you scream, let's try that. Just the motions. Let's try it at half speed. Right, right. So then you start to get comfortable with that bodily contact and then you can try that moment. And then you work it together, piece by piece, right? So you're not just saying, okay, okay pretend to rape her. Yeah. Which is terrifying. Yes. For both parties. Yeah, and you don't know what kind of experiences those two people have had. Yeah. Or more, you know, mm-hmm. like maybe that's a whole company that has to witness that experience. In like yeah, absolutely. Dark of the Moon, there's a rape scene that happens in a church, and the entire church watches. Like, you're not only having to take care of the two people who are doing that act. You have to take care of Everyone in the room, room, Mm -hmm. and that includes ASMs, that includes the tech who shows up on tech day Mm -hmm. who wasn't around for rehearsals. You know, you want to make sure that everyone's aware, yeah, so that no one is like hit with that, yeah, until the show.
0: That's amazing. That's like I love how detailed that is and how thorough it is. Because that's just, like, not the climate that, that I'm in. I know, that's
1: what makes it so <laughs> exciting. It's just, like, so exciting because I feel like it's so necessary.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's, like, such amazing work. So, yeah, that's, I mean, that's, like, a major way that you're kind of bringing it away from the traditional things that it's steeped in. Because, like, there's, there's totally rape scenes in old shows, too. Like, that's yeah. a
1: thing. Like- totally. And I think a lot of the time intimacy directors work the most on things like Shakespeare or musical theater. Yeah. And by musical theater, I mean, like, that canon.
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, there's, there's like, a, a rape scene in Footloose, the musical. Is there? Yeah, there's, like, a short little, quick little rape thing that happens with oh. uh, with the bad guy. And, oh, no. Yeah, and the main female. Oh, no. <laughs> so, there's a job for you if anyone's seen Footloose. <laughs> that's a popular <laughs> one. Uh, but me. Uh, but, yeah, like, there's, like, it's in, like, the most random... Like little Gosh. poppy shows, too. Yeah. Like there's always things like that. Like, even in like Oklahoma, there's like a little, like,
1: tussle, scary,
0: scary scene with her yeah. and, the, and the guy.
1: Yeah, it happens a lot. Yeah. I think, especially in those older musicals. Yeah, they throw a rape scene yeah. in
0: there. Yeah.
1: <laughs> that, I think, is another way that um, people, myself included, are trying to sort of change that culture in theater, yeah. too, by doing new plays.
0: Yeah, for like, sure.
1: What are plays that don't necessarily center? On these like old stories we've already told, how can we change that story um, to tell something that's fresh and valuable to us now Mm. in 2019?
0: Yeah, and I think there always will be like there's always going to be a call for that old, like because there's just going to be people who want because it's it seems to be two major things: you either want to go to the theater to escape the life you're living, or you want it to expand your mind in some way and bring new ideas to the table, and That Those easy shows, they're always going to be a thing. Mm -hmm. Like, that's a nice, fun way to escape your day. Go see, like, White Christmas or something. But those that theater that, like, actually moves you, that brings new ideas to the table, that's been, like, that was originally why theater was created. Yeah,
1: to make you think. Mm -hmm. The Greeks created it. Yeah. Um, And it was always, like, the lawyers who performed the theater. And it was to bring up these big questions we have in Mm -hmm. the world in our like, collective consciousness and say, you know, what do we do in this situation? Yeah. And that, I think, is why I do theater.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's why I think that most of us are drawn to theater because it's it's stirred ideas in us, whether or not it was through an old work that we had never seen before when we were, like, young or whether it's through, like, very innovative new works. Um, so you, you have a little bit of, like, an unconventional... Relationship style.
1: Um, you're
0: in the non-monogamy, much like myself. Yeah. Yeah?
1: I suppose so. Do you, Although, I feel like more and more people like, know, yeah. come out it's telling like, me, like, oh, not as unconventional um, as it once was. polyamorous. And I'm like, no kidding. Cool. <laughs> Good
0: for you. Yeah, so is that That's great. Yeah, I, it's funny, because there's actually, like, a whole... Like, Tinder and, like, OkCupid and stuff. Like, that's, like, they have a whole section for it now. Like, you can mm-hmm. pick those things. Yeah, when I travel
1: place. to different cities to do, like, <laughs> contracts uh, or direct or whatever, um, when I go out of town to a place where I don't know anyone, yeah. I'll turn on OkCupid okay and be like, someone lend me your bike, tell me the food recommendations, <laughs> and if you want to meet up, let me know. And I'll but, send it to like just non-monogamous people, and there are usually like a fair number of people. Oh, really? Yeah, I mean, that will just give you recos and stuff. that's, yeah. such, that's such a smart idea. When I went to LA the last time, someone lent me their bicycle. I got some great food recommendations. I met mm-hmm. up with someone and played board games. I'm into that. Like, I haven't used it to like better my life. I
0: just <laughs> used it for hookups.
1: <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I feel like okay, Cupid is a very useful tool like, yeah, because, because you weird. can like filter to just non-monogamy. Totally,
0: yeah, and that's been an, an like amazing revelation. But it's it's interesting that that's even an option at this point because <laughs> that was, it was basically just like interested in mm-hmm. men, women for a long yeah. time. And that was pretty much all the options you got. But yeah, you're right. It's like, because pretty mm-hmm. much everyone and their dog is polyamorous now.
1: I feel like the last time I actually used Tinder, it didn't have that option for non-monogamy. I
0: don't know if Tinder does or not. I haven't been on Tinder in a while. Since. This is why
1: the only reason I use Okay Cupid. Yeah. I'm like,
0: I have, um, there's like another one that's called Field that has, that's like its own non-monog... It started right. as a non-monogamous experience. Right, and then thing. there's,
1: what, Threender to like pick up... Uh, uh, third.
0: Yeah, Thrinder. That was that was its old name. It's now. Oh, called it's field, now called like, Field. Someone tried to sue them or something. So funny. So,
1: there's like I a another know, Thrinder. I only know about this one, this app, because I listen to a podcast run by two non-monogamous people. Yeah. Um, called Turn Me On. Okay. And yeah, they they, they talk about Field. Okay, <laughs> fun.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's like where we, like, me and my husband actually started dating people was through that app, but, uh, yeah. When we weren't, like, trying to get with our friends, I think that's, like, the weird baby legs of, like, having threesomes is, like, oh, let's hook up with our friends. Not, like, always the best idea.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Which of our friends do we both think are attractive?
0: (laughs) And might be open to this. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, it's interesting, because...
1: The partner who I live with and I have both had only relationships separate from one another. Okay. We've never we've never dated the same person. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Um,
1: or slept with the same person.
0: Interesting. Is that and that's like I think
1: that's true.
0: What works yeah. for you, or just like what has happened so
1: far? Um, or both. I think just a little bit of A, a little bit of B. Mm-hmm. I think. Um, we both came into the relationship that we're in right now already having been non monogamous. Right. And like knowing that we would That's not it. return to monogamy. Yes. Um, I'd been non monogamous since like 2011. Mm-hmm. Um, I like had a little penny drop moment in university and was like, It happened. Oh, right. <laughs> If I would like, known this was an option in high school. <laughs> it makes so much sense. Yeah. It was one of those, like, I've always known this about myself, but didn't have the words or the, yes. like, examples to actually explain it. Yeah. And then as soon as someone was like, oh, you mean this, I was like, what? <laughs> yes, yes. 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 That. that. That's me. <laughs> Great. Okay. And yeah. promptly was like monogamy no more
0: yes and then you get really uppity about it for about a couple months and then <laughs>
1: I think I was just like fascinated I just uh my friends from high school and I all had a blog that we used to keep and we could like share our experiences in university while we were all in different parts of Canada oh, cute. so it was like this cute little thing yeah but mostly people would talk about like oh, there's this boy in my musical theater class. (laughs) Because I went to school with a couple people who you went to school with. Okay, yeah. Um, You know, and I have a crush on him, but I don't know what to do about it. And then I was like, guys, non-monogamy is a thing. I just heard this word. It's called polyamory. This is how I've been feeling my whole life. And I feel like everyone who was on that blog at that time was just like, be careful dot dot dot
0: isn't that always the case whereas
1: I was just like this is a revelation I finally figured out who I am which is interesting because it makes this like argument for the whole nurture versus nature thing Mm -hmm. Um, and how there is a lot of tension between sort of I think the queer community and the non-monogamous community in like Queerness is obviously not a choice, and they've gained a lot of traction. Mm -hmm. Um, Like, the queer community has gained a lot of traction in, like, being supported and represented and recognized because of this, like, knowledge that is now mainstream. Like, Mm -hmm. it's not a choice. Yeah. Um, Whereas, like, the choice to be non-monogamous... Is a choice. Yes. It's a choice we make. Um, There are probably people who are better equipped to it. Yeah, but I I think there is a spectrum. I think, honestly, I think my answer to everything is everything's on a spectrum. Yeah. But I think there are people who are better suited to non-monogamy, and there are people who are better suited to monogamy.
0: Yeah, I, there is, I don't want to, like, judge anyone for it. Anything that they choose to do, but there is like a there was like this wave back in in the day a few years ago. I guess I don't even back remember. in Maybe the day. Maybe like ten years ago, but because yes, mm-hmm. I was actually. I was exposed to non-monogamy at the same time around that you were when I was in university.
1: I read The Ethical Slut*, and I was like, my world is I changed. read The Ethical yes. Slut*, which is, like, not my favorite handbook no, on non-monogamy. But at the time, I was like, these old lesbians are yes. changing my world. Yes. I
0: always tell people to take it with a grain of salt because it is very
1: hippie-based. Yeah, it's very <laughs> floopy-doopy. Yes.
0: But, uh, yeah, I, but there's a lot of people who would, like, come out Mm. as like non-monogamous and i kind of something about that would like irk me and it was and that's like totally their own choice and like this was when i you know thought i was a non-monogamous guru or something so i had more things that would bother me i don't really care how people live their lives anymore but <laughs> I, I it was it was something there was something strange about it to me just because i thought that that wasn't really something that I needed to, like, expose and celebrate. Absolutely, if someone can see my life and be like, that resonates with me and uh, that's something that I want to do and if I can inspire them to do that, that's great for them. But at the same time, I just don't feel like my non-monogamy needed to take up space and energy from other people who are actually coming out. Especially because, like, coming out as non-monogamous does not really change my life. Like, maybe my... Parents might be like, "Oh, oh!" But at the end of the day, your
1: exes (laughs) would be like, "Hey, yeah, right, yeah,
0: yeah." Start getting those late night DMs, but like, other than that, like I, I didn't have to struggle
1: because of
0: that. There was no like. No one, like, I've received maybe a couple, like, nasty messages from random people on, on OkCupid yeah. who, like, call me a whore or something, but yeah. at the end of the day, I don't, like, no one sees me as non-monogamous when I walk down the street. No one, like, yeah. calls me out or wants to destroy me because of it. Okay. Most people are just curious or yeah. say that would never
1: work. Yeah. Oh, I could never do that. I could never do that. I've had a (laughs) pretty similar experience in that, like, I've also never felt the need to, like, come out. Yeah. um, Although I'm pretty open about it. Yeah, I'm, like, if my dad
0: walked into a restaurant and I was, like, on a date with somebody, I'd have no problem telling him Mm-hmm. what the deal was so that he didn't, like, <laughs> ask me if I was cheating on my husband. But at the same time, I don't feel, like, the need It's to, a necessary... Like,
1: com- it's not a, as in I don't feel the need that it's a necessary conversation. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I feel kind of the same way. I feel, like, I don't really need to sit my parents down and have that conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, like, I think I would if I wanted to take... You know, two people home sure, for Christmas. yeah, yeah, yeah. If it um, becomes that. If it became something where I was like, oh, this is important to me yeah, at this point. Totally. Sure, of course. Um, but I think as it is, quite honestly, they're pretty smart people. They've probably... F- Put two and two together. Like, I don't really think think my parents don't know. Um, We've just never talked about it. But also, like, we don't really talk about my sex life. Mm -hmm. And I don't necessarily, with my parents, yeah. I don't necessarily need to be like, hey, just so you know, I bone lots of people. (laughs) Like, everybody. (laughs) Yeah. But in terms of like reactions, because I am pretty open about it with people around our age or like anyone who asks me, I'm happy to talk about it. I've mostly had curiosity as Mm -hmm. well, although I have had a couple experiences where people have called me a slut. Mm -hmm. But again, it's, like, not something at the end of the day that will really impact my life.
0: No, because we're taking back slut. Yeah. Welcome to the podcast, Taking Back Slut. Confetti. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, I I feel like it's mostly a curiosity from people, which is, like, great. If they want to try that, that's awesome. There's definitely... A lot of great stuff about it. There's a lot of talking. Yeah. A lot of talking. <laughs> a lot of chatting that you'll need to do. But, yeah. it's I, I, I leave the coming out to the people who have actually, like, struggled. And that's... I, I just wouldn't refer to it as coming out, even if I
1: decided to like make a post being like by the way guys I'm non-monogamous. I feel like if I was making that post it would be like only to get more booty (laughs) (laughs) and just
0: be like call me up anytime. Hey
1: by the way (laughs) non-monogamous and I'm just like not boning many people right now. I'm like super ovulating right now and just really like to have some sex.
0: (laughs) So Hit me up. Just, like, on my In Facebook. the next three hours. That'd be great. <laughs> <is> the window.
1: <laughs> I will take this post down in three hours.
0: This is a map of the vicinity in <laughs> which I am willing to travel for sex today.
1: If you fall within <laughs> it. Just travel to me. <laughs>
0: but
1: no, seriously.
0: Although, then you can't dictate when they leave. That's like it's true.
1: Other... Yeah. Do you want to <laughs> be in your own space, or do you want to, like, yeah. determine when this situation ends?
0: Yeah, it's actually, like... A toss-up as to which one that I prefer. I like do I I like going to other people's places because then I can be like, where's my bra? Time to go. <laughs>
1: See you later. Whereas I feel like I prefer to be home. Cause it's more comfortable. Because it's my home. And yeah. then when I'm ready for people to leave, I don't feel um, concerned with saying, okay. I'd like to be alone now. Good for you. You can. I haven't, haven't go. mastered that yet. <laughs> I think I'm really <laughs> direct in that. Like I feel pretty comfortable saying stating Good. my needs. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be offended. And if like most said that of the times, my needs aren't offensive. Like yeah. if I'm saying it's time for you to go, you've probably already realized that. Yes.
0: Yeah, I mean, some people don't. Yeah. Sometimes it's hard to read that body language. Yeah.
1: But also, I, I feel like I am one of those people who only wants to bone people who I think are actually cool humans. Yeah.
0: yeah.
1: <laughs> right. Yeah. So, hopefully, I wouldn't immediately need them to leave. It would be one of those things where I'd be like, okay, either I have to get to something or <laughs> I'm done I'm now and you must go. Like, you're not reading the signs. This has completed. Thank yes. you. Yes. You must away. <laughs>
0: I like that. No, I I like, feel like I have too much, like, perpetual host in my blood. I always Mm. just don't like, like, someone could come to my house and just live here. Oh, no. Yeah, if you don't leave after this podcast. (laughs) I Great. would never ask you not to leave. Well this
1: couch is really big, yeah, so I'll just make, make that my domain. Real perfect. There's a dog. <laughs> there is a very sleepy dog here with us. I feel right pretty now. good about that. <laughs> perfect. <laughs> Welcome home then. Thank you. Great. Awesome.
0: <laughs> well this has been lovely. Um, I feel like we've had a really nice chat. Yeah, this has been good. I really liked the, the touch upon, like, I didn't know that you did the, um, intimacy directing. That's really cool. I'm very into that. Uh, I know, like, a someone that we both know, um, Michael Kovac did a little bit of that as well, and he was talking to me Mm -hmm. about it, and that was, like, very interesting to me. If that had been a job when I was coming out of school, that's probably what I would have gotten into.
1: (laughs) It's not too late. I yeah. know.
0: Yeah. I, I feel least. like
1: there are always like 17 jobs I want to do.
0: I know, I know. I'm, <laughs> pretty, I'm pretty happy with this one, but yeah, that does mesh a love of theater and uh, boundaries that yeah. <laughs> and consent that I love so much. <laughs> yeah.
1: I think just bringing consent culture into theater is so exciting and I love it too. I'm yeah. really excited to do more
0: Yeah. That. That's awesome. Cool. Well, it was lovely chatting with you. Thank you so much for having me. Thank this you was for such being a nice on. experience. Yeah, I know. Considering we've like never had a full conversation before.
1: This I'm sure nice. we have, but they've all been like quite light. Like,
0: yeah, like yeah. light, mm. like short and sweet. But this is like a nice little deep dive. That's cool. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So, thank Ooh. you so dive.
0: Much for being on. Like, uh, you for listening to the Taking Back Slut podcast with Jennifer Doan. To learn more about me, you can check out my website at www.jenniferdoneconsulting.com. Or for sex rants, politics, and unapologetic nudes, you can check me out on Instagram at J-E-N-N underscore D-O-A-N.